You're listening to Bunker Last Presents, a crash course in venture capital with Paul Capon, managing partner of LunaCap Ventures. I'm Iron Mike Stedman, member of the Bunker Labs branding team and the executive producer of this series. In this fourth episode of the series, Paul gives insight into venture capitalist investment considerations and the best practices for pitching VCs. He gives a first-hand perspective on what VCs are looking for in a good pitch deck and how to make the most of your opportunity to pitch them. By the end of this episode, you'll understand a good strategy for approaching VCs, what makes a good pitch deck, and how not to tank a deal. Paul and I hope you enjoy this episode and that it accelerates you on your entrepreneurial journey. You're listening to Bunker Last Presents, where we're sitting down with Paul Capon, Managing Director and Founder of LunaCap Ventures. In this episode, we're going to be talking about what it actually takes to receive investment from a venture capitalist. Great. No, um, you know, th- thanks. Thanks again for having me. Um, you know, so I think, you know, we've kind of gone over the traditional companies versus those companies that are ripe for venture capital or venture debt. And then we kind of went through the two different models of, you know, what a vent- what, what a venture capital instrument looks like where you give up a lot of equity, but you don't have to pay back right away versus venture debt. You get to retain equity, but there is that cash flow going back out to service the debt. And then we also talked about, well, when would you go after one versus the other and what are the pros and cons? Um, And now I think it's really interesting and important to understand when do we go out and how do I go out and how do I approach these folks? Um, So number one, you know, I think it's really important to know your audience and this kind of, all of this will kind of, you know, comes back together, but you know, you have to go out, you have to be able to pitch, um, you know, to somebody look and do your research. That's the most important thing. There are specific venture capital funds that only invest in specific industries. There are specific VCs and venture debt funds that only invest um, at a specific time, whether it's a financial, whether you're doing at least a million dollars or $2 million in revenue versus, you know, you might be pre-revenue or you might be much further in later stage. Um, And then kind of also understanding what the check size is from your venture, from these funds that you're looking at. I think that is one thing that is really frustrating where, um, on from the, now I'm talking about with putting my venture debt and my fund hat on, uh, where on, you know, I'll just get emails out of the blue that where it's obviously, obviously that like the company didn't, didn't zero research or they just went on LinkedIn, typed in venture capital, and then it's just a copy paste. And all they're doing is just hitting as many investors as possible without even really doing any kind of research. Um, and I, and I think a lot of VCs, I mean, we are looking at, you know, met so many deals throughout the, throughout the year. And we just don't have time to kind of talk with every company, even if we know um, immediately that they're not a good fit for us. Um, we, we just don't have the time. So I think the biggest thing to do is once again, do your research, probably narrow it down to three to five VCs that you truly think would be a good fit for you. And once again, that's kind of understanding to have they invested in other companies like you is the check size kind of around what you're looking for the financials. Am I late? Am I, am I early stage? Am I later stage? And yeah, there are a lot of comp. I think there is a value to getting on the radar early in order to just start telling them the story. But once again, I mean that, do they, do they fall into that industry? Or do you think that you're, you know, going to be a right fit? Um, the, the easiest way to kind of get kicked out, and just never kind of looked at again, is just by, 
um, literally just going out and just blasting every VC or venture debt fund that pops up on LinkedIn. Um, Cause I will tell you that I probably get three or five every week of just companies saying, Hey, take a look at this. And I just delete it. Um, uh, you know, and it's just, you know, it's uh, that's, I think that's that's one thing. Cause you can tell if they're asking for, we're raising X amount of dollars or we're in this kind of platform. I can tell automatically just based off of their canned speech that this is not, they just didn't do the research. So that's number one. Number two, you know, I think we talked about this before is you want to do, as you're doing research on them, make sure that you are talking with some of their port, maybe talk with some of their portfolio companies, uh, try to get in touch with people that know the fund, kind of see who these are as individuals. Are they going to be good to get in bed with? Uh, can they provide help? And I think that that's enough. So really doing your research. I mean, this is a two-way interview. So while the VCs are interviewing you and it might seem like you have to be on parade and you're in the spotlight, you can just as easily flip the light around and kind of shine it on them and ask them about their deals and what's going on. Um, and especially if you're a very competitive company and you have a lot of interest, uh, you definitely should be doing that because you can you have options and optionality as well um, if you're if you're performing. Uh, so that's just something to that's something else to consider as you're doing your due diligence. And then the biggest thing, you know, and I really wanted to kind of focus this segment and this episode on focusing around, you know, the the pitch deck, because there are a lot of things that I've seen where, you know, we 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 as VCs have you because know, we see hundreds and hundreds of, of decks. Um, so we've kind of seen kind of what works and what doesn't work. Um, and so by giving you some advice in terms of, you know, what makes a good pitch deck, what doesn't, uh, I think that that's very important. So just to start off real quickly, you know, as you're going the big, the first thing that you're going to do is I would have maybe two, two items and the two items, one would be just an executive one pager, like an executive summary, um, in terms of, you know, what you are, what you're about very quickly. And then the second thing is to have a deck. Um, and the one pager really should kind of talk to, you know, just something very easy, very simple. That's your teaser. So it shows, you know, if you've had any revenue, what you, you know, if you had users and, um, kind of your MVP is here, you know, why, why I should take more time and kind of look at you. What is your ask? What do you, how much money are you looking to raise? Um, how much money have you raised to date so far? Um, these are important questions. I've seen decks come across my desk where they don't really tell us, well, how much, how much money do I need? Um, and so I, I just don't know. Um, and then they also don't say, well, what is this money going to be used for? Um, and if you're going out and raising money, as we talked about, those are probably, those are the really two, you know, biggest things is how much money do I need? It needs to be the right amount because you don't want to dilute yourself nor do you want to be spending your entire time focused on fundraising and then what's it going to be used for um, and having that broken out um, and i think that just being able to defend that there's nothing wrong in terms of the dollar amounts but just be able to defend it correctly because a lot of companies we've had companies that have come in asking for you know two millions of dollars and then we say well what if you only needed you know could you do this with two hundred and fifty thousand dollars?" and they say yeah i guess we we could it would just be a little slower and so we decided to go out um, and that's that's a pretty big gap and kind of in, in terms of the spectrum uh, on the ask. So I think it's really important to know that um, with regard to the pitch deck, some of the biggest things that I've seen. And once again, I think it comes down to this is personal. So just knowing who's on the other side of the table. But here are some of the 
I think when you look at the overall kind of data points from a majority and there's a, the, the consensus within the, the fund world, um, you know, what's really appreciated is kind of a, a really tight pitch deck. And what I mean by that is, you know, once again, if I had more time, I would have written a small, you know, I would have written a shorter letter. Um, so being able to be very concise and having, you know, maybe 10 pages you know, around there for a pitch deck is probably that's a, that's a great that's a great amount. Um, you know, if you're going out and you're and you have twenty to thirty or any, you know, just you kind of droning on and on and on, then that's one we just don't have time to read that, and, um, or we just start glazing over um, and we don't quite understand it. But you just want to be very concise in terms of what you're saying. So number one, kind of ten pages for your pitch deck. Now, what you what is good is if you really have like a, you know your, your message, you can have the appendix, and the appendix could have you know your projections and your financials, and that's something for people to get into. Um, and if you wanted to get a little more granular in terms of how you plan to build this out on a much more granular level, but in the pitch deck on the one to ten, that's really I think what you want to focus on is just the key, the meat and potatoes. Um, so that's number one, kind of that's where I've seen uh, companies fall. Number two, I would say that the sometimes on the page when it becomes really wordy. Um, so when people tend to write out all these bullet points and it's just it's basically kind of reading um, a whole bunch of stuff. That's where we tend to glaze over. Um, you know, I think just kind of knowing yourself uh, and knowing VCs, I think we're people that are very excited, but we get bored very quickly, which is why we chose to be in VC. We're risk takers. We um, and maybe that's a that's a that's a hit on us as VCs. Um, but, you know, we 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 we're we're we, we like to kind of push forward, get the message and just be clear. It's very quick. And then, yep, we get it. All right. Now we want to talk with these folks. Um, and I think it also just demonstrates that, you know, your product, you know how to communicate it effectively, um, because in a sense, I mean, that's what you're doing as a business and not only to investors, but uh, to potential clients and customers. So I would focus on making sure that you're not very wordy. It's, um, you know, just being very succinct. Um, and then visuals are really great. I think that if you have a really good visual and a way to represent something, um, you know, that, that, that visual on an X and Y axis or um, kind of a small chart and, or just a comparison um, with X's and, you know, here's, here's how, we, how we are relative to others that's a lot more helpful than just uh, kind of like writing out an entire essay for each uh, for each page. Um, so that's number two. I think that's one big thing. And then number three, um, I think I'll, I'm ha you know, I'll start kind of getting into, you know, some of the slides that are, that are very important. Um, you know, and I think, you know, you can probably Google this, but you know, even though it's all Googleable, you then start finding out that, you know, there are like a lot of folks miss it. So number one, I would say that what you want to be able to do is kind of define the problem, um, you know, and really kind of say, well, okay, here's, here's the problem and here's what's going on right now. Um, and then number two, then say, well, okay, well, what's, and then what's your solution? And then you then say, and that's where you introduce your company. Well, you should be the solution to this problem. And then the first page or the second page um, convince me of why it's a big problem. Why do people care about it? Why are people going to pay for it? Is it a really big problem? If a fork only has three little springs versus four, probably not. I don't think that somebody's going to pay. I didn't even notice that. And I just came up with it right now. 
but probably not something that I would pay for or a premium for. Um, but what I would say is, is like, if you're able to define that, define what the problem is and make me a believer of like, how much money can I save if I do something else? How much, how many in terms of resources are being lost, whatever, whatever it is, but just be able to effectively communicate why it is such a problem. The second thing then going to your solution is, okay, so what is that solution? How did you, how did you fix this problem? And just describe, describe what you do. Um, I think that's, you know, that's where you, once again, you kind of introduce your, your, your solution and I'm excited. I said, okay, I agree that there is a problem and I could see how this might affect me or it might affect this ecosystem um, that you're trying to address. And then you come up with a solution. Okay, this is interesting. Then my next question is going to be, okay, well, like who else is out there? You know, how else have other people decided to come up and, and, and solve this problem? This I think is where a lot of uh, companies might fall down because a lot of them don't have and don't position themselves alongside some of like immediately I'm going and saying, okay, well, there's this, there's this, there's this company. So there are four companies on the top of my head already that I think are trying to address this. So why, you know, like who else is fixing this and why are you better? And generally I've seen this in kind of either one slide or two slide. It really just depends on what the, uh, what, what the product is, but what you should do is then kind of describe, okay, well, here are the other competitors that are trying to address this problem. And here is why we're, why we are different. And maybe that might be your kind of positioning graph where you show that you're up on the top far hand right corner while everybody else is kind of trailing. Um, and whatever that X and Y axis is, that's maybe one way to demonstrate it. Um, the second way in kind of in a helpful way as well is okay. So that's great. That's one, but you could also do it by features where you have a list of the companies on the left-hand side and whether that's that's on the y-axis and then on the x-axis, you have, well, here are the features. You know, we have all the features versus um, these other companies that only have one. And I think you can flip over the x or y, whatever looks better. Um, but basically it's saying, you know, we have all of these features and this, this, these are why, you know, these features are very important to have. The other companies might have two, they might have one, they might have three or whatever, but we have a hundred percent of them. They don't have it. And so it's just kind of positioning yourself so that we know that you've thought about the fact that there are other players out there. Um, and that's really important because sometimes companies will come in and say that we're the only ones doing this. Um, and no, no, you're not. I'll stop. Like, no, you're, you're not the only ones doing this or trying to address this market. You might be the only ones doing what you internally know you guys are doing and with that IP, but that's where you want to articulate it and demonstrate it. So that's one, that's another place where I've seen um, companies fall. Then in terms of, you know, everybody talks about the TAM, so the total addressable market. And if we're only able to get 1% of that, then we're going to be a billion dollar company. I mean, I think that that's a slide that you should be, that should be better flushed out. I just can't tell you how many times I've just seen, oh, this is, you know, this is a hundred billion dollar problem. And if we're going to take 1% of it and only that 1%, then we're going to get a billion. And that's just without lifting our fingers. Well, what people don't understand is the fact that it takes a while to get to that point. Um, so don't just say, well, 1% and then be happy with it. Um, because no, you don't just take 1% and make a billion dollars. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into that just to capture that 1% of the market. So um, what might be a better alternative is really talking about, um, you know, who those, you know, who the customers are, why, you know, what you think you could do. And you can do a bottom up where you're actually talking to 
hey, if I can get three of these folks, five of these folks, and I'm able to charge here, this is why realistically, you know, and historically we've been able to do this. Um, of course, we want to know that there's a big market, there's a big industry. And of course, we also want to know that there's this room for us to grow, but it's like just how many times we just see that 1% over the 100 billion and then like that's almost just kind of copied and pasted, I think, across every everybody's industry. Um, that's just, just put some more thought into that um, because if, if, if you do that, that's great, but then tell us like, why, why, how are you going to get to that billion dollars? Don't just say, if I get 1%, no, that 1% is a lot of work. So how are you going to get to that 1%? Um, then following that, um, you know, you definitely obviously want to talk to your revenue model. Um, so, you know, how are you monetizing this? Are you a subscription base? You know, what have you done historically if you're pre-revenue and you're going to a VC generally or hopefully this is now kind of getting back to episode two. You have your MVP. You've talked with companies. You've gone out and you said, hey, you know, they loved our product. We have an amazing product. Their engagement is really high. And then show kind of comp like, com like comps in terms of the comparable companies that might be in your field and kind of what's the engagement. And once again, because we're dealing with private companies, trying to get the specific information is a little tough. Um, but you'll be surprised like what you can Google with, you know, valid resources, incredible resources that might be able to provide that to you. We just want to make sure that once again, the stickiness is there, that you have an MVP, that people are either willing to use it or willing to pay for it. Um, and then obviously, you know, you know, talking, is it a subscription base? Then what I would talk to is, and once again, it, this now kind of branches off into what your, you know, wh where you are in your, in your business. Are you early on? Are you post revenue, maybe a hundred thousand dollars or below, or are you, are you still pre-revenue? This is where things kind of get a little tailored, but let's just say that you've, you've done a hundred thousand dollars. And so now you have some data points. How are you marketing? And this is where we come to what is the customer acquisition cost? Um, you know, I, I did X amount of ads on Facebook and it cost me X amount of dollars. But, you know, once I got this customer and they bought my widgets and they came back three times throughout the course of six months or whatever it is, I mean, any data that you have in those data points is very important. And then once again, of course, the lifetime value of the customer, because you just want to be able to get to, to pay for that customer and that customer is going to pay you more than what you paid to get them in the door. Um, and so as long as those numbers are attractive, that's what you should be shooting for. Um, then I would talk about, you know, kind of the team and your composition of the team, you know, so why are you guys the ones to be able to do this? What experience do you have? What partnerships do you have? What advisors do you have? Um, you know, so if you say, Hey, we have this amazing thing and we're awesome. But, you know, we came from the ice cream world and now we're going into the banking world and we're going to go sell our products into all these banks. Well, that might be. But like, why are the banks going to listen to you? I mean, you came from ice cream and maybe you were maybe you actually were the CEO of haagen or maybe like you did something or, you know, whatever it is. But there needs to be that relevancy and we need to be able to believe why you're going to be able to do and hit the numbers that you say that you're going to hit. Um, and so that's important. So the belief for us to be able to believe in it. And then lastly, uh, and I think we talked about it before is being able to say, okay, well, we need X amount of dollars and to really put a lot of thought into that because we're going to poke holes. And as I said, like we, you know, some companies might start with saying, Hey, we need $2 million and we're asking for that in the convertible note. And then we're going to say, well, why do you need $2 million? Where is that going? 
Um, and you should be able to answer, well, you know, we thought about it. If we took on $1 million, our growth rate could only do this, but we really needed $2 million. That's the right amount for us to maintain at the valuation what we want. And we don't want to give up that much equity versus um, going out and actually spending time on the business. But then I also, we also wanted $2 million because $1 million of it's going to go out towards the build out of our technology. $300,000 is going to go towards new employees and then $700,000 is going to go towards marketing. And we believe that with this marketing, and we know that with this marketing, we're going to go into Facebook, we're going to do Google ads, we're going to, whatever that is, but just to be able to explain it and then say, Hey, well, if we do this in Facebook, we know that once again, when we push the button, we we pay $1, but we know that we get $3 in revenue on the back end or whatever the metrics are. But just to really have thought that out, clearly know what that is. And that's definitely a very important slide. And then thinking about the valuation of your company as well. Um, you know, I think at early stage companies, and I, so I'm you know catering to the audience right now, most companies right now are probably if with at an idea stage are able to get away with a three three million dollar valuation. Um, I don't that's kind of what industry and market is accepting. And so I don't personally agree with that because that means that I should be able to just sit and um, sit in my room and then come up with ten different pitch decks and sell all my pitch decks for three million dollars each. Um, now of course, the team, makes that and the idea and that you're putting yourself behind it but you're not i mean when you somebody says they're worth three million dollars i really want and for me personally as an investor i think that somebody needs to be standing over your shoulder with a three million dollar check but for the purposes of just what do you raise that i think three million dollars uh, you know with an idea pre-revenue is um is is adequate nobody's going to laugh you out of the room and it's a it's a decent number um and so i think those are the big things in terms of, you know, what, what I've always, what I've kind of seen. And I think those are the slides that you need. Um, that's how you should kind of talk to them. And then, you know, making sure that it's just, it's more probably visual with just very, very succinct wording, um, those 10 pages. And then if you have financials, then throw them in the appendix and kind of say, Hey, here's, you know, with this, you know, maybe have a sensitivity analysis. If you're a little more and you really want to kind of get into the granularities that, if we can raise this $2 million, here's what we're able to do. And then you have the income statement and balance sheet showing that. If you say we don't raise and we only raise $1.5 or $1 million, here's what we're able to do. And then without anything or without any other investments, here's our growth. And so you're kind of giving the high side and then the low side um, in terms of what, of, what you're, of what you're raising. And that'll also help because when, as you raise capital, there's generally kind of a lead investor. And so if there's a lead investor, generally everybody's kind of waiting for everybody else because they want to make sure that you hit that full 2 million. If you actually break it out like that, it might actually help some investors say, Hey, you know, you're looking good without raising any money. And I'm glad that you broke that out and showed me the case from a financial standpoint that you're doing well without anything. So, Hey, if I give you half a million or if I, if I go in and give you a million, I don't really care if anybody else comes in. So they actually could be your lead investor or your only investor, but it does help them kind of come in and believe what you're building um, is, is going forward. So I think, you know, that, that's, those are the things to think about as you're going out. One, it's, you know, just to recap, always do your research on the venture capital, venture debt funds, make sure that they invest in companies like yours, um, and then make sure that there's relevancy and then demonstrate that you've done your due diligence on them as well 
don't shotgun this because that's the quickest way for us to kind of put you aside and not really think that you know what you're doing. Uh, number two, focus on making sure like that the pitch deck is tight. Uh, I think that, you know, once again, making sure that you have it's concise, 10 pages, maybe the appendix may, and then making sure that you have the items that we talked about. Uh, and then it's represented in a very succinct way. That's important. Uh, and then, you know, once again, that last page, just making sure that you explain and kind of tell that well, this is exactly why I'm raising what I'm raising. Here's what it's going to get used for. And I think that that'll that definitely sets you up for a road to success and show many VCs and venture debt funds that you thought about it. And then that's that's what I've seen from from the good the good pitches and the bad pitches. I know this episode is a little bit longer than our previous ones, but I want to make sure that I, I do ask this question um, for our listeners. And uh, you give a brief answer is what tanks a deal? So, you know, people come through, everybody's high five and they nail the pitch. You're interested. But obviously there's some follow up stuff that needs to be, you know, thorough. Yeah. No, I think the the biggest thing is, is number one, um, you know, not not asking for the right amount of money. Um, and so not demonstrating the thought through that's number that's that's one of them number two you know once again you haven't done your research on the fund so if you come in and you say and you're you're pitching something that's ai and the fund only does cpg or e-commerce or whatever it is and there is no alignment then absolutely and not even because it's a bad idea just because they're going to say we don't invest in this so no reason, but you probably wouldn't have even gotten the meeting meeting in the first place. But it is an easy way to tank because um, it does show that you haven't done your research. And, you know, if there is a fund, you know, you want to kind of say, hey, I know that you're not the good one for this. However, you might know somebody. That's a good way for us to get, you know, for you to get passed along within the venture capital community, because we we also have our community that, you know, we we share deals and we know what the other funds are interested in. So. Um, just doing the research. And then I think the the one that you would that that will kill a deal, I think, in person, and you have to have a fine line between being confident and being cocky. And confidence is great and believing in the idea is great, but a lot of times VCs want to see that you're also coachable. So if you come out and you say, Nope, this is the way it is, this is how it's done, and then it's it's just, hey, have you thought about this or that? You know, once again, there's that fine line between confidence and cocky. But if you come across as somebody who is going to take the money, there's no way for us to coach. There's no way for us to kind of help. And maybe if you have your, it's your way or the highway, um, you know, and once again, you know, there are companies that have done well in this, but I think for most VCs, we want, this is a relationship that goes both ways. And, you know, we want to make sure that if there are things or there are obstacles in the way that we can help prevent or remove but we just need you to be able to kind of be receptive to any discussions or any advice that we have. That's very important. So I think those are the biggest things that I would, that I would point out. Awesome. Well, we're, we're, uh, we're pushing through here and uh, on the next episode, Paul is going to be giving uh, those of you out there some, you know, words of encouragement as you hit this startup trail and this fundraising trail and uh, really feel empowered to head out there. But before we do that, I need you to do us a favor and subscribe to this series on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening service you're using today. We'd greatly appreciate it if you left us a review and shared this podcast with someone in your network you feel can benefit from the information. If you want to get plugged into the Bunker Lab ecosystem, visit www.bunkerlabs.org, select the city nearest to you, sign up for the local, news, local newsletter, 
and attend one of our networking events, whether in person or virtual. It's that simple. From there, be sure to get connected at bunkeronline.org. We can learn about our many different programs to support your entrepreneurial journey. We have programs that will take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. Register today at www.bunkeronline.org. See you on the next episode.